delighted to be joined today by Lorraine Donnelly and Laura Fogarty at City to discuss the latest developments surrounding the intersection of technology and healthcare as industry sectors. So City has had some big changes in how you categorise these different supergroups and we're all, to be honest, in an exciting moment of change right now. So this seems a good time to take a step back and explore these pillars of industry. So perhaps I can come to you, Laura, first. Tell us about your role at City. Great. Thank you, Sophie, for having us. Um, so my name is Laura Fogarty, and I lead our North American healthcare banking franchise for City's Commercial Bank. Our team is focused on fast-growing, mid-sized corporates going global. We divide ourselves into two segments, um, emerging corporates, and those are innovative healthcare companies who are high growth, um, cash burning, or still in the clinic, all the way up to the middle market segment. And those are corporates who are continuing their commercialization journey, becoming more global, and having more complex um, financial needs. So a large part of what we do here at City is bringing people to the table that can help our clients navigate their phase of growth whether it be from a capital structure perspective, you know, navigating the equity capital markets or debt capital markets, all the way to an operational um, perspective, which is providing global cash management or risk management solutions to uh, fuel efficiency. I started with City in 2006, and I've been dedicated to healthcare since 2012. Awesome. Lorraine, tell us about yourself. Thank you, Sophie. So I'm Lorraine Donnelly, and I work for our Treasury and Trade Solutions business at City. Um, I'm based out of Ireland, uh, which is a very active healthcare market, um, but I support our uh, Treasury and Trade Solutions clients across the EMEA region as the industry sales lead. Fantastic. So now we know who you both are. Um, so at the moment, as I mentioned, you guys have set up these different supergroups. There's a convergence now between health and wellness. How does this new supergroup plan to leverage the opportunities that are here? And um, perhaps Laura can come to you first. Yes, I mean, there was always collaboration amongst our partners covering consumer and healthcare. Um, but the appointment of Chuck Adams in November of 2021 to lead our healthcare, consumer, and wellness supergroup really like turbocharged this collaboration. And the formation of this group was quite timely given one, the convergence we're seeing across these sectors and two, you know, changes in consumer behavior. We're increasingly seeing healthcare companies going outside their traditional lines with a business with med tech companies acquiring digital health companies and mm. pharmaceutical companies partnering with device companies um, for, you know, things like companion diagnostics or chronic care management. In fact, I was just at the med tech conference in Boston a few weeks ago and a large medical device company commented that of their 20 or so recent acquisitions, um, about half of them had a digital component. So if you take that trend coupled with the consumer who is becoming increasingly focused on their well-being and demanding more customized products and insurance offerings, there's a real opportunity to help our clients navigate this transformation. So a lot of our advice is around forming the right relationships and developing the right capabilities. You know, how can a medical device company create an ecosystem that enables more engagement with the consumer? Um, how can a clinical research organization use AI or real world evidence um, to expedite clinical trials? And, you know, how can a consumer products company adapt to the wellness demands of their consumers? And if one of our clients is not as well positioned, that's where we can provide the strategic advice 
to ensure they don't get left behind. Wow, so a lot of exciting developments going on. Lorraine, what, what are you seeing? Oh, well, as Laura suggests, healthcare is, is transforming across industry lines. Um, and as that transition accelerates, you know, we anticipate that our healthcare clients will increasingly need to access innovative solutions and deep expertise in reaching their underlying customers in new ways and underlying customers being, be they unwell patients or health conscious consumers. Um, and in doing so, managing the associated data challenges and generally capitalizing on the global nature of this opportunity. While collaboration is not a new concept in healthcare, um, we can expect to see much more cross-industry partnerships um, with both traditional players and new disruptive entrants. So in forming a cohesive and highly connected global supergroup, uh, with a total focus on our healthcare client base, our ambition at City is to be uniquely positioned to support our clients across a whole range of relevant products and services. And we have a key role to play in enabling the participants of this fast-growing ecosystem. And you know, we can leverage our capability across 95 countries uh, to do that. Well, it's interesting for me because I think when we speak to corporates, consumer behaviour is impacting their role a lot more than ever before. And I think it's also changing how banks approach the corporates as customers themselves. So I think a lot of consumer trends are impacting our work in a way that never happened before. But certainly within the health space, that is particularly nuanced, as you guys are saying. Um, the pandemic, which we all experienced, has clearly made all of us a lot more aware of our own health issues. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you've seen that evolving and how City is planning to support its client services, particularly with addressing the healthcare needs of consumers. So, Laura, over to you. Well, there's no doubt that COVID-19 pandemic um, has accelerated how people approach and take responsibility for their own health. I mean, at-home testing is more of a norm. Telehealth is becoming more mainstream. Um, consumers are demanding better healthcare experiences. You know, gone is the day of a one-size-fits-all, 20-minute interaction with your primary care physician once a year. Um, consumers want more. They want care that's personalized to them, delivered with greater immediacy, convenience, and price transparency. These are movements towards what we call here at City the future of health. Um, these movements are happening now. We are moving from the traditional reactive model of healthcare to a more proactive model, uh, which emphasizes preventative care and overall wellness. You know, one of the tools which is driving this transition is, is wearable technology, you know, such as Fitbits or, you know, Apple Watch. And we've already seen, you know, the evolution in these devices from simply tracking steps to more medical grade devices that are looking at, you know, monitoring heart rate, stress and, and blood oxygen levels. So looking ahead, you know, I expect to see increasing use of wearable technology to monitor health and, and advancements in connected care. Um, you know, the ability to integrate all that health data to get a holistic view of your health. And then I also expect to see the use of artificial intelligence to harness mm -hmm. that patient data and improve health outcomes. You know, <laughs> through the use of AI and machine learning, companies are able to mine electronic health records to provide early identification of chronic conditions, right? And this is just so exciting to me. I mean, it provides an enormous opportunity to intervene early and alter the course of the disease, which, you know, will not only improve the patient's quality of life, but, but also, you know, reduce the cost of care. Amazing. Lorraine, what do you think? Do you agree? What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, many of the changes that we anticipate will have profound impacts on the way in which 
consumers and patients access and consequently actually pay for healthcare. Um, and we, we already see trends emerging today across countries and, and demographics. The adoption of telehealth, for example, is you know really centered, certainly accelerated by COVID, but really centered on convenience and access, digital access. And with that, you know, comes a consumer expectation of a rapid, personalized, and digital payment experience. And while telehealth is one of the more prevalent examples, uh, COVID has accelerated a whole range of remote care and monitoring developments. Um, and healthcare companies are working hard to, to, to understand and monetize the value that that digital capability brings uh, to patients. Um, you know, the healthcare treasurer will be considering the implications of these changes also. For sure, the fundamentals of cash forecasting, currency management, working capital management, but equally in supporting the business will want to avail of the right suite of tools at their disposal, current tools and emerging technologies to support those dynamics. Um, and, you know, and affordability is a central consideration of every aspect of healthcare. Mm. And we talk about patient journeys a lot uh, in healthcare. And you know, fundamentally, patients want certainty in terms of the cost, but they also want optionality in terms of how they manage the cost and how they manage that uh, runway of, of payment methods. So as people pivot towards preventative uh, digital health applications and experiences, we can expect to see changes in payment flows, miniaturization and even regularization of payments, um, different collection methods being used. Um, so you know, again, all very exciting, but again, creating lots of opportunity and in some cases, challenges for the healthcare organization. So as I mentioned at the outset, we want to discuss also the intersection of technology with healthcare. Um, technology is obviously playing a role in everything that we all do. And of course, healthcare is no exception. Technology companies are the enablers of healthcare data tracking, amongst many other things. So Lorraine, tell me what City are doing to assist them in that process. Technology, as you mentioned, is transforming all aspects of the healthcare industry from drug discovery to you know, pre-diagnosis, uh, patient access and, and care delivery itself. Um, and the world we live in is a reactive one from a healthcare perspective. If the future of healthcare relies on predictive medicine, then technology and the ability to capture data is crucial uh, to informing a more effective treatment. At the research and development level, a really hot topic uh, right now is around the decentralization uh, of clinical trials, and that has been accelerated by COVID, but fundamentally enabled by technology and remote participation of clinical trialists. And I heard a, a, you know, an interesting stat this week in that right now, 80% of clinical trials have some element of decentralization. Um, and there's a link between that decentralization in terms of the participant base and the, the, the you know, proximity or the geographical location of participants and diversity with the emphasis being on promoting um, diverse participation amongst groups disproportionately impacted by certain diseases. And clearly technology is, is a key enabler of that decentralized approach. And we at City are, are really focused on how we can support that recruitment and retention effort in clinical trialing, you know, minimizing friction and creating greater ease and optionality perhaps in the payment process. We're leveraging innovative payment solutions such as real-time payments and alternative payments mechanisms, for example. But fundamentally, clinical trials need to be representative of the patient population. And so we, again, are, are focused on leveraging our network and that capability because we believe we have a role to play in, in supporting that ambition. You know, and if I may, there's, there's good evidence also in terms of technology playing a role in promoting wellness and enforcing positive health behaviours. So a great example and, and one that we come back to time and time again is the, is the popularity of fitness wearables and smartwatches. 
and again, you know, the role that they play in promoting and tracking an active or healthy lifestyle. And there are many other subscription-based um, and digital apps that can trigger, if you like, behavioral change, you know, tracking habits, motivations and actions. Awesome. And look, you guys are really in a very interesting part of the business at the moment. Like, this must be such an awesome sector to be working with. Um, as I mentioned at the outset, it's not just this industry that's changing. It's also, you know, your roles as bankers have been changing. Um, there's an integration now of consumer bankers and healthcare bankers. Um, tell me a little bit, Laura, first, how, how that's working in practice. I would say there's strong collaboration. Um, we're not necessarily integrating the consumer bankers and the healthcare bankers. But we do want to make sure that we're capturing the best thinking from all of our relevant domain experts. So rather than a situation where we have healthcare bankers and consumer bankers, we're making sure that we have one team that's always together, always thinking about this you know, broader thematic level and always evolving that thinking. The supergroup will also make use of expertise from other teams when relevant, such as technology or internet banking. So it's, it's really just terrific collaboration across the board. If I were to try and give an example of, of how this, um, you know, supergroup is working, you know, earlier this year, Citi advised um, a company called Massimo on their acquisition of Sound United. And Massimo is a medical device company. You know, they're focused on patient monitoring technologies and sensors. They have patient-worn monitors, and, and they're really well-known for hospital automation connectivity. So they went out and acquired a company called Sound United, which is a company that's really well-known for their consumer technology platform, you know, with uh, audio brands like Bowers and Wilkins or Denon and Polk. So, you know, the idea being, how can this company, Massimo, now leverage their proprietary technology and bring that into the home, right, with, with this brand that's already there in the home today. So the idea of the future of health being connected, um, having care at home, I mean, these are the steps that companies are taking to be prepared for that shift that's happening um, in the industry today. And maybe just to add to that, Sophie, you know, in City Trade and Treasury Solutions, we mirror that approach, that global approach as one highly connected team to support the industry. And we do that across four major regions. And the charter of this group is to capture the transformation in business models, mm -hmm. but also to translate the financial and commercial implications of, of those changes mm -hmm. for our clients and helping them to de-risk uh, where challenges are emerging. Um, and from a transaction banking perspective, you know, that's driven by a whole range of factors. And that might surface in supply chain shifts or implications associated with the broader economic challenges. And so what we're doing is trying to leverage our industry expertise, um, the expertise of, of our teams on the ground across multiple regions who understand mm -hmm. healthcare market dynamics and regulatory considerations and come to our clients with tailored and relevant solutions across the whole suite of payment, liquidity management and working capital solutions. Yeah, and surely this is brilliant for your clients as they're evolving and their plans. Um, Laura, I want to come to you now. I mean, as we talk about this intersection between tech and healthcare, do you envisage one of the large tech companies, you know, like an Amazon or Google, um, acquiring a big name consumer healthcare brand, for example? Like, how is this market going to evolve if we look to the next year or the next 18 months? I mean, not to put you on the spot too much. Big tech. <laughs> big tech, big data. Um, well, we've We've yet to really see a groundbreaking transaction um, in which a large technology company acquires a big name consumer health brand. 
I mean, there, there certainly have been some notable transactions such as Google's acquisition of Fitbit or Amazon's acquisition of One Medical, which is you know, a primary care clinic and PillPack as well, which is an online pharmacy. But I think it's too early to tell if we'll still see big tech disruption in mm-hmm. healthcare. Um, there's an argument that tech companies don't really have the expertise to deliver healthcare, that it's really out of their wheelhouse. Um, you know, and I think about Haven, which was this, you know, highly publicized joint venture between Amazon, Berkshire, and um, JP Morgan, which disbanded after three years, right? Their mandate was try to, to uh, reduce the cost of care. Um, and I think that's really just a sign of how difficult it is to really radically improve the healthcare system. With that being said, there's really no denying that the healthcare industry is ripe for disruption, right? It's largely paper-based, it's siloed, there's limited care coordination, there's tons of data, but there's no analytics, <laughs> um, and there's still a lot of fee-for-service rather than value-based care. But I think that's where technology can play a role, you know, technology as a way to enhance the care delivery, technology to help healthcare workers perform their job more efficiently, technology to use AI and machine learning to intervene early, as we talked about, like in the disease progression. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where disruption and opportunity to improve patient outcomes and lower the cost of care will happen. And I think technology companies are going to be the enablers of this trend. As Laura's mentioned there, data is underpinning much of the work that's happening in this space, but personal data is sensitive and this is a tricky area to navigate. Um, Lorraine, what is City doing to mitigate risk in this area for consumers and for healthcare clients? Sure, data security is paramount. Um, And one of the characteristics of the healthcare sector in particular is the need for trust and absolute confidence in the way that patient data is stored, handled and, and shared. Um, And even, you know, a routine health consultation results in a large amount of data that has value, of course, for the patient, but also for the wider healthcare and research community. As sensitive personal data is is shared across different participants, it will be more important um, or increasingly important for the the participants in this ecosystem to, to really come together and form central repositories that are accessible, secure, Um, in a standardized way by authorized participants and at the same time complying with regional regulations around privacy and data sharing that are not always easy to navigate you know and given the value of this underlying data healthcare companies um, are increasingly sensitive to and the target of cybercrime a city as a financial institution you know we're acutely aware of that and we manage the associated risk for our business and our clients every day you know, and we do that leveraging new technologies also, such as artificial intelligence and machine learning to, for example, detect outliers in client payment patterns. But clients, you know, will not only be thinking about transmitting personal data in a secure method, but also acquiring and storing personal data in their own systems, such as bank account details, particularly challenging for one-off or once-off transactions. And again, I come back to the example of clinical trialing, where it may be optimal for all parties to share and store minimal information for a particular beneficiary. Um, And so, again, here, thinking about alternative payment mechanisms, perhaps payments in real time to to wallets, and just using other payment rails that will better fulfill the needs of of everybody in participating in, in that particular process. 
Thanks, Lorraine. And yeah, you touched on the use of AI there. Laura, I wanted to come back to you. I mean, you've mentioned it yourself earlier on in our conversation. There's a lot of hype around technologies like AI. And do you think there's a danger perhaps of that detracting investment into simpler, um, more straightforward areas of technology that might actually create more impactful outcomes? You know, I don't know that that's the case. I mean, there has been significant venture funding, you know, going into digital health. The year-on-year number of investments, you know, this year in particular might be lower and there may be down rounds. But I, I do think this is really more of a function of the broader equity market volatility and the you know economic environment that we're currently in. I mean, we have been in a pretty easy monetary environment um, up until this year. But you know, to put it in perspective, you know, 2021 was a record year for digital health. There was over 29 billion of funding. And that was like double the level of funding in 2020. Now, this quarter that just closed the third quarter of 2022 was the lowest quarterly funding in the past 11 quarters. And again, I think that reflects the market sentiment, you know, and and this data is all from Rock Health, who does a terrific job tracking the uh, digital health funding. But if you look in terms of clinical area of focus, you know, we're seeing mental health continue to lead investment activity by therapeutic area, um, followed by primary care, cardiovascular oncology, diabetes, and reproductive and then maternal health. So there's real good distribution, I think, of where the VC dollars are going. I think the shift that's happening right now, though, is that, you know, VC firms, um, as well as the public markets, sort of refocused on profitability instead of growth. And this is really leading to a little bit of a sell-off of the sector and you know, so it's partly related to that and, you know, partly related to the environment that we're currently in. So what does that mean for M&A? You know, as you start to have companies who are now at depressed levels, you know, will we see an uptick in, in M&A? I think, you know, we do here at City expect that there will be heightened M&A, particularly as these digital health companies start to hit funding walls, right? Their cash runway continues to deplete. So, so we'll see what the rest of 22, one more month and, and 2023 brings. Yeah. And then when it comes to the practicalities of development, new technologies can have very long development cycles. Um, how does this fit with the long-term view of this space, Laura? It's true. I mean, none of these um, innovations happen overnight. And it's just such an exciting time for healthcare because there's been a ton of healthcare innovation. I mean, you have cell and gene therapy, um, robotics, AI, machine learning. All of these advancements are really revolutionizing the industry. I mean, if you start with pharma, you know, we have these novel cell and gene therapies, which have the potential to cure disease, right? I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, the first therapy was approved by the FDA in 2017, and there's only like 20 or so that are approved today. And one that I just have to highlight, it just really resonates is this um, drug called Luxturna, which is used to treat a specific form of vision loss that oftentimes results in blindness. But one injection of Luxturna in your eye, and you can see again, right? So, I mean, this is just life-changing, right? Just think about the patients living in homes or children who have never really seen their parents. I mean, that's just incredible. But these breakthroughs take time. So, you know, it takes an average of 10 to 15 years um, to develop one new medicine from initial discovery through regulatory approval. And it's quite costly, right? The average, Mm -hmm. you know, can range from a billion to to three billion. So 
long development times, but you know, when you get these sort of breakthroughs, I think improving patient lives and outcomes is it's worth it. One thing that I'm, I'm monitoring that I'm super excited about is 3D printing in healthcare. Um, you know, it's currently being used in the industry today from like clear aligners to some medical devices. But the next frontier of 3D printing is synthetic organ production. So, I mean, how incredible would that be to be able to customize an organ transplant for kidney, liver, you know, heart or lung? So, again, you know, we talked about tech, you know, tech entrants, you know, are coming in. They're providing new sources of capital. They're transforming the industry. It's just a super exciting time for healthcare. Okay, excellent. So, Laura, back to you. Um, healthcare applications, as we've mentioned, are collecting a huge amount of data. Is there a danger, perhaps, that there becomes a disconnect between the focus being on health results rather than on companies just collecting as much valuable data as possible? Um, you know, if you think about it, I mean, the transition from paper to electronic and being able to, you know, collect and synthesize this data is all very new, right? It's all new territory. It wasn't until something called the High Tech Act um, and Meaningful Use Incentive went in place in 2009 that most U.S. healthcare systems really began the transition from paper to electronic health records. So, you know, the first stage was data capture, then it was, you know, advanced clinical diagnostics, and now it's all about improving patient outcomes. Mm -hmm. so, so what you have right now is a race to aggregate and compile healthcare data as fast as possible to repurpose it create a use case, monetize it, and have a clinical impact. So we're seeing a lot of real-world evidence companies emerging, like Definitive Healthcare or Komodo Health. And what do I mean by real-world evidence? It, it's using the actual experience of patients in the real world as captured in these electronic health records, payer networks, lab reports, et cetera. Um, so I think part of what makes a company appealing is what they do with the data, right? You can have companies that simply acquire the data and provide you a raw data set, or you can have companies that curate the data with proprietary data sets, um, which can be used again for early identification of chronic disease or to complement drug discovery. So it wasn't really until 2018 when Roche acquired a company called Flatiron Health for almost $2 billion that it was the first deal of its kind in that you could provide value or recognize value for the data, for the health data. Um, and in this case, it was Flatiron who had an oncology-specific electronic health record, and they had curated those data sets um, that were used for cancer research. And I think Roche, you know, believed that this data would help accelerate the development and access to new cancer treatments. So that was really the first transaction. And, you know, since then, we've seen a real interest in real world evidence companies um, as a result. So I, I think data is great, but data that you can do something with is more great, more valuable. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned Roche there because they've actually won a few Adam Smith awards with us for their phenomenal work. Fantastic. Okay. So all that remains for me to say is just say thank you so much to, to Laura and Lorraine. It was certainly an exciting time at City. And I love having these conversations that really allow us to go in on, on one sector area and really address the intricacies of it because I think that is just the nature of how the industry is going right now. There is no one solution that fits all corporates anymore and it's so unique and bespoke the work that, that needs to be doing. So thank you so much for sharing that with me with both of you. Oh, thank you. Our pleasure.